Welcome to the Authentically Successful Show. I'm Carol Schultz, founder and CEO of Vertical Elevation, a talent equity and leadership coaching and advisory firm. We partner with founders and CEOs to create talent-centric organizations, either where they don't currently exist or rebuild companies into talent-centric organizations. We are committed to supporting your vision and values by creating healthy, successful companies, leveraging the best talent, retention, development, and succession strategies. Listen at the end of the show for information about becoming my next guest on one of the most important podcasts for building thriving companies. Here we go. My special guest today is Dax Craig, co-founder and president of Pi Insurance, headquartered here in Denver, Colorado. Dax, thanks for being with us and welcome. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate the opportunity. It's my pleasure. Tell us a little bit about what Pi Insurance does at a high level. Yes, um, we are serving small businesses with uh, their insurance needs. Small businesses have been underserved um, and overcharged uh, for a long, long time. Uh, and we're, we're solving that problem using uh, technology, data, and uh, advanced analytics. That's really fantastic. And you are, you are venture capital funded um, yes. and you, you have raised uh, since you founded the company in May of 2017, a little over $300 million over four rounds. What's the excitement all about? <laughs> <laughs> well, disrupting a 600 uh, year old industry is exciting. Um, yes. And when you do that successfully, uh, quickly, yeah. Uh, it's even more exciting for investors. And so we have grown uh, really rapidly. Mm-hmm. Um, so what we're, what we're offering small businesses, uh, they seem to like. Um, mm-hmm. They like, uh, uh, and <laughs> uh, have helped us grow really fast and, and uh, venture capitalists love that side. Yeah, it's really great. Uh, what's the biggest problem you solve? You've talked a little bit about business insurance, but what's the exact problem? Just you know, getting getting people business insurance at a better price, you know, managing the risk properly. What does that look like? Well, so for this, we we start backwards from our customer. Okay. Uh, unlike most insurance companies who are very much centric about themselves, uh, so we work backwards from the the customer. What is it they need? They need insurance to satisfy regulatory requirements. They have to have workers' compensation in almost Mm -hmm. every state, but it's really hard for them to get. Most uh, insurance agents um, don't really pay a lot of attention to uh, small businesses. And that's not the agent's fault. It's because it's really hard for the agents to do business with the insurance carrier. And the insurance carrier often doesn't want small businesses. Why is that? it's very hard for them to assess the risk yeah. of a small business. So they, they yeah. don't feel like they can price it. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's too expensive for them to use human underwriters yeah. on these small risk. Right, and right. so small businesses get caught in this trap. They have to have it, yet it's hard to get. And when they do get it, it's really expensive. Yeah. And so for you know, people in the construction businesses, Mm-hmm. They can spend 20, 30, 40% of their payroll on more <sighs> comp cost. So it really matters to them. If you're an accounting firm, it doesn't really matter to you as much. Mm-hmm. But uh, people in the trades, it really matters. And you mentioned agents specifically. Is it also sold through brokers? Yeah. So we, we work through uh, agents, brokers, uh, and we have a direct offering as well. Okay. Uh, we're multi-channel. 
So how are you able to solve this problem of everything you've just talked about, you know, being able to, you know, get the proper risk insured for the right price. So that people aren't, you know, as you talk about small construction companies, 20 to 40% of their payroll. I mean, how can anybody possibly make money when that's what they're spending? I mean, <laughs> well, it's like not uh, possible. You cannot, how could you be profitable? It is possible because 90% of small businesses never have a claim ever. <laughs> you know, you think that's a cash. The problem is insurance companies have a hard time figuring out which ones. Yeah. And so we use uh, really advanced uh, analytics uh -huh. um, and we're able to suss out how likely a small business is to have claims and we can price them accordingly. Uh, so a lot of our small businesses, um, you know, 70, 80% can get a huge discount off of what they're paying in the market Wow! because we that's, don't group them with all the high risk people. Yeah. Um, and do you have a minimum number of employees a small business would be required to have to insure them? Or can you sold us, can you insure a sole proprietor? Well, you have to have at least one employee okay. uh, by law. So we're, okay. we only insure uh, people with employees. So okay. at least one, and we have lots of uh, businesses with one employee. Mm -hmm. And is that one employee, uh, do you have to have proof of that that person is working on a W-2 versus a 1099? Um, yeah, we asked them, uh, if they use subcontractors or mm -hmm. 1099 contractors versus mm -hmm. employees, uh, businesses that, that we insure are allowed to have some contractors. It's okay. just the majority need to be actual employees. Yeah, actual employees. Yeah. Okay. yeah. So right. if they have one contract employee, they're not really eligible for, mm -hmm. for pie. So pie insurance is your third startup. Uh, you got out of graduate school and um, founded your first company, Zertex Technologies. I think I'm pronouncing mm -hmm. that right. You yeah. did. Uh, you were co-founder and CEO there about seven and a half years. Um, and then you went on to found Valen Analytics, which I'm, I'm very familiar with since I live here in Colorado. Mm -hmm. And uh, you were also the co-founder and CEO. And you did that for about 16 years before, before founding Pi with your current co-founder, John, uh, John Swigert. And mm -hmm. um, I'm curious... You know, tell us about your journey. I mean, you know, got right out of graduate school and, and founded a successful company. Like, tell us about <laughs> how you got from there to, you know, point A to point B. Um, I come from a long line of entrepreneurs and small business owners. Mm -hmm. My great grandfather, my grandfather, my dad were all small business uh, owners and entrepreneurs. Yeah, awesome. I actually didn't know you were supposed to do anything different, honestly. Oh, that's so great. Um, and so I went to the I went to grad school up in CU at CU Boulder, mm -hmm. with the express intent of starting a business. Um, so I was lucky enough to uh, uh, to be involved in their entrepreneurship program mm -hmm. and discovered a business opportunity at the the school. Uh, took it out of the school, built the business out of it, and was fortunate enough to to sell that business. Um, and that was that was a really good time. It was two thousand. Yeah. Uh, so it's a good time to be in technology, mm -hmm. um, but I didn't want to be in hardware anymore. I was in the yeah. hardware business. Want to be in software and mm -hmm. uh, look for opportunities that were unique, interesting, weren't being done. Uh, using analytics to solve business problems was mm -hmm. in a really nascent stage, and the insurance industry was ripe for disruption. Had lots and lots of data, yeah. but weren't using. Uh, machine learning uh, and artificial intelligence kind of technologies to make mm -hmm. decisions. 
And so we're like, this is a greenfield opportunity. Start this business. Mm-hmm. What happened um, is that we were way too early in that business. Mm-hmm. Um, just we out of just sheer perseverance, uh, able to to build that business successfully, but saw an opportunity to actually take that same technology and flip the tables where. I would become an insurance company rather than a vendor Uh, because they just weren't adopting. They weren't using it. Mm -hmm. And there was such a a chasm between what they could do for small businesses and what they were doing. I was like, oh my God, not only can we help the small businesses, but we can build a really incredible company here. Mm -hmm. And so we flipped the script, sold Valen um, and started Pi. Remind me, and, and I should have looked at this before we started uh, started our, our conversation. I'm drawing a complete blanket. Who acquired Valen? It's a company called Insurity. That's right, Insurity, um, right. And we're partners with Valen and Insurity okay. both. So uh, good relationship. Oh, there you go, win-win. Yeah. That's really terrific. So you, you um, prior to prior to Pi, you were the, the CEO of both of these companies, and now you're um, merely the president and John is, John is the CEO. <laughs> merely Tell me a little the president. bit about that. Um, so John and I got introduced, mm-hmm. uh, in 2016, um, by a mutual investor and an investor in Valen called White Mountains mm-hmm. Insurance. Uh-huh. They also owned insurance. Oh, well, there you go. And John was uh, chief marketing officer at insurance. Yeah. I had pitched the idea of pie to them and, they loved it. They liked the idea. I didn't have the insurance operating experience that I needed. Um, and I also wanted somebody that was really um, high powered tech insurance mm-hmm. that doesn't exist very many places, right? right. There's just not that many people. John is, is almost a unicorn. Oh, um, and so they introduced us. We got together and um, had almost identical values thoughts about insurance and how we could change it and disrupt yeah. it. And he has the insurance background. Yeah, sure. Um, and, you know, he was CFO at insurance and CMO. Mm-hmm. Like this was a very natural next step for him. Yep. And I didn't have that background, but I had the technology and the mm-hmm. entrepreneurial chops. Mm-hmm. So we came together. Uh, we are very much partners. Yep. Um, we make <laughs> basically all the decisions together. Good. Um, but John is CEO, uh, okay. and, and because of his broad background and expertise. Right. And he lives on the East coast. He does he lives in DC. Yeah. So, so let's, you know, let's kind of look at pre pandemic. How, how did that work for you all? Or is or has nothing changed? Well, it's a little <laughs> bit of a funny story because when we were going out to raise money in the beginning, yeah, investors were like, well, that'll never work. You guys right. are well, more college roommates and, mm-hmm you live in two different cities. And we said, yeah, but that's actually why you want to invest because we live in two cities. We have to figure out from the beginning how to communicate with multiple offices. Mm -hmm. And so we built the company on Zoom. The whole, Mm -hmm. I mean, everything we do is we had to learn how to communicate with different offices. Mm -hmm. And so when, when COVID hit, we literally, we made the decision about 11 o'clock in the morning and the entire company, at that point, we had about 150 people, okay. was remote in two hours. Fabulous. And we, I mean, we didn't skip a beat. <laughs> and so it's worked out well for you. It's been, um, yeah, 
it, it was a real blessing that we, we operated in two cities. Are, are you planning on uh, coming back to the office? Anyone? We are. I mean, percentage of time? Yeah. So we're, uh, we're um, in July, we're going to open the offices for voluntary. Okay. Um, voluntary um, can come in as often as you'd like yeah. um, or as little as you like. Mm-hmm. Uh, just kind of a trial run mm-hmm. um, to get people used to coming back in the office. And then in uh, September um, through November, we're going to do a trial mm-hmm. where uh, people are three days in the office. They can be five if they want, but it's right. three days. Um, and what we want to do is is give people a sense for what the culture at Pi is in the office yeah. for a three-month period. That's so and then awesome. we're going to ask people to declare their intentions, whether they want to be uh, work from home or in the mm-hmm. office, those kinds of things. But the work from home has been successful for you. It's been amazingly successful. Yeah. Our team has uh, done yeah. an amazing job, mm-hmm. super product productive, mm-hmm. but there's some, there's some culture that you miss. There's yeah, creativity we yeah. miss. There's collaboration we miss. Mm-hmm. And so we need to figure out um, how much of that we need. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and I think the way you're going about it is really just super, super smart. Right. Uh, test and learn. I mean, the whole company is, yeah. is test and learn. And so mm-hmm. we're going to do the same thing with office reopening. Yeah, that's really great. Um, what would you say is the biggest impact you've had on your industry to date? <laughs> Or, or the top three, um, is it? Amazing? I think most people want us to go away. Yeah, um, well, that doesn't surprise me. Because no, that, we was, are, that was kind of what's behind that question. Yeah, we're, 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 how are the carriers feeling about you? <laughs> um, I, I think it's uh, a, a realization that they can't keep doing what they've always done. That's right. Um, they've got to put the customer first, uh, and right. they've got to use technology and analytics to make mm-hmm. their business more efficient. Mm-hmm. I mean, 40 cents out of every dollar. I know. That, that, a small business sends to an insurance company gets spent in the operations of the business. That's just like, you, you send that money so that if you have a claim, you get, you get reimbursed for the claim, not, not to pay for, you know, fat cats in the, the oval office. Well, I will, I will, based on, based on, we have a lot of, I think, synergy in our feelings about the insure tech sector, <laughs> as well as the insurance. And I'm going to share one quick thing here, because I think it's relevant to what you're relevant to what you're talking about. And, mm-hmm. you know, people have said to me for, I don't know, the last three years, what's insure tech? <laughs> I'll say, well, let's look at insurance, right? It's what, 300 years old or more. I think you mentioned Six, 600. 600 yeah. Um, I thought 300 was a long time, but I don't know how I didn't realize that it was 600. Um, Hundreds of years old. And there's sort of three common denominators. One, at least if you look at it from a PNC standpoint, uh, it's required by law. You have to have it. Makes it recession proof. Yeah. Right. That's true. Then, and and of course, all the same things that you're, that I'm sure that some of the same things you're insuring businesses for. A lot of, a lot of property and casualty. Mm -hmm. So you've got that. Uh, secondly, I hate to say this, but I will. It's run by a bunch of old white guys, <laughs> mm-hmm. primarily. And and third, That's they right. have more money than God, figuratively speaking. Yeah, and yeah, you know where where is anyone's interest in innovating under those circumstances? And it's an incredibly difficult regulatory environment, 
Right. And the capital requirements are gigantic. So the barriers to entry are huge. That's right. But if you can get the capital, you can Mm -hmm. um, play in the same ball game with the regulators Mm -hmm. and you can use technology to beat them at their own game. Mm -hmm. um, And you can do it quickly. I mean, sure tech really is. It is a blend of technology Right. And insurance, you have to protect the balance sheet. You That's have right. to do that. That is critical mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so that you can pay claims when people get injured. That's right. But the technology side, right, can create all of the efficiencies, all the benefits that mm-hmm. inure to the benefit of the, the insured. So they don't have to pay as much for insurance. Yeah. Geico and Progressive have done this masterfully in the personal auto business. Okay. Right. Um, and it's a, it's an incredible virtuous cycle uh, that we hope to repeat in small business insurance. Yeah, that's really great. So, so you have competitors, yeah? Sure. Okay. Sure. And what challenges would you say that you and or your competitors are facing in the industry or, or in your market? Well, our competitors are facing different challenges than we are. They have okay. a very hard time hiring uh, very talented people. We do not. Um, we Why are is that? I mean, I would speculate customers. given what I've done for 30 years, but I want I want to hear it from you. Why do you believe that? There's, there's a lot of reasons for it. Yeah. Um, we've got an amazing culture. We're mm-hmm. disruptive. Mm-hmm. You were, you know, you, you sit in a room full of people, you raise, ask them to raise your hand who loves your insurance company and not a single hand will go oh, up. Yeah, right. <laughs> right. They all hate their insurance company. Oh, I love my insurance store. company. I can't wait. Right. For a bunch of reasons. Right. So they, yeah. they all... Are, are motivated to disrupt an mm-hmm. industry that doesn't treat them very well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they love the fact that we can take technology and do it. And mm-hmm. it's giant. It is a giant industry. Mm-hmm. Right. And so, I mean, the, the, the global market is trillions of dollars. Yes. And so, if, and it's, it's kind of one of the last businesses that's to be disrupted. That's right. Uh, by technology. And so right. that really so excites people. Yeah. We're, we're really getting, um, I mean, 10 X kind of people. That's really fantastic. But I'm, I'm sure that's uh, agitating your competitors. <laughs> totally. That's okay. <laughs> it makes it really hard if they want to try to recruit out of pie insurance and, and yeah. you know, why would, if, you know, if you've got this fantastic thing going in this great culture, um, I mean, really uh, people probably see, you know, they love the work they're doing. Um, it's not just all about the money. Um, you know, anybody that goes to a successful startup, you know, they, they are, especially those who started with you early, you know, they're looking for hopefully a good, uh, a good payout at some point, of course, you know, whether it's, you know, whether you get acquired or, you know, do an IPO, um, which then leads me to that. Are you willing to talk about, uh, exit strategy, Dax at all, or Um, if you have one, or if you've thought about it and and if not, I guess every, every venture back company has to think about exit. Yeah. Um, we uh, we are in this for the long term. Good. Um, we want to build a sustainable company that is here 30, 40, 50 years from now. Mm-hmm. Um, Does that mean an so, IPO in your future, do you think? I mean, I can't say for sure because um, well, I mean, that's market that. dependent, right? I, I don't know. Um, but we our, our goal, John and I are you know 100% aligned on mm-hmm. building a company that is here for the long, long haul. Um, And, you know, we're not, we're not really that interested in getting acquired. Mm -hmm. 
How I do you say never? Cause that would be dumb. Well, no, um, listen, I had a, I had a client, uh, back on the East coast that, um, that the CTO, the co-founder and CTO had said to me one day, well, when I asked him about this, he said, you know, the, um, the reality is, is when you're the leader in the market, it's typical to IPO, which they were. And then they sold to VMware for somewhere north of $500 million. And I was like, (laughs) what was that all about? (laughs) And he had a really good answer for it, but, um, you know, I, listen, people have to, it made sense for them. Right. Yeah, so, and like you said, you can never say never and it needs to make sense, whatever that is. That's right. But at the same time, I mean, we're really trying to build something. Mm-hmm. Um, we're trying to build something in Denver. Um, yeah. I think Denver companies tend to get acquired, mm-hmm. um, and not go public tech really? companies. I did not know that. And That's- so, you know, ping identity went public, uh, two years ago, maybe. Um, and that's one of the few, there just haven't been that many tech companies in the Denver metro area that go public. And, and so I'd like to see more. Yeah. Well, and you're preaching to the choir. I'd like to see that as well. Mm -hmm. Um, so you've talked a little bit about how, how great your company culture is and and how wonderful you are at getting, you know, getting and attract, you know, attracting and, and retaining the right people. What, what makes your company culture unique? Would you say you have a culture of feedback and what percentage of turnover have you had? Um, I'm expecting it to be fairly so that- low. Yeah, the last question I can tell you is exceedingly low. I don't have the exact numbers, okay. but certainly we can get those to you yeah. um, if you'd like. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of what what makes us successful, um, creating a, a really good culture, yeah. it starts obviously at the top, mm-hmm. right? It's just uh-huh. wanting to build a company that is values-based, um, has a good mission vision, but then it's all about the people you hire. Of course. You've got to hire the people that, that can further that mission and mm-hmm. match up with your values. I, I don't like the term match your culture or I, I want people that can enhance the culture, mm-hmm. right? Not that they just fit the culture. Cause if, if they fit the culture, well, then you're not growing, mm-hmm. right? It's enhance our culture. Mm-hmm. And if, if you also have, you, know, you have two white founders, male founders <laughs> fit in our culture and well, we're going to hire a bunch of white guys. And that is definitely not what we want. Right. Right. Um, and so we have um, fostered a very diverse uh, culture, gender, mm-hmm. gender, racial, sexual mm-hmm. orientation Good. Uh, from the beginning. We have a long way to go um, and we're still doing hard work there. Um, but pie looks very different from traditional tech companies and it looks radically different from a typical insurance company well yeah what percentage of women are employed by you how many how many total employees right now and what percentage are women we have about 280 um employees Mm -hmm. um again i don't have the exact number yeah just a guesstimate uh, if you can gender but it's in the 40 percent range well, that's actually, that, you know, it's not bad considering you're not. Does it, well, that's what I mean. We have work to do. Yes. Um, because it on, doesn't match the, right the population, but we're, we're mm-hmm. on the right track. Um, mm-hmm. and we have, we have a lot of, uh, female software engineers, which is fantastic. Um, phenomenal. Mm-hmm. It's phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Um, and so 
like like everybody knows, it's if you don't have female representation, you're not going to hire females. Right. Right. Especially at our size. Um, mm-hmm. So we've we've tried to foster that early. Mm-hmm. Um, so where do you see yourself? You know, again, about three hundred million dollars in funding so far. Where has mm-hmm. most of that money been invested, and where do you you know see yourself investing? Uh, you know, here over the next year. So a lot of that has been um, invested in technology, but also just building the business, Um, building the people team, building the customer success Mm -hmm. team, building um, our sales force, our underwriting team. Uh, But but a lot of it has gone into building out technology, our analytics. Mm -hmm. Um, We have a very large uh, technology team and analytics teams Mm -hmm. um, that really... Mm -hmm suck up most of, uh, most of those resources. Yeah. Would you say that because I, you know, I, I work so, I do so much work with startups and, you know, the, the common denominator is, you know, when you go to a startup, especially if it's seed or an A round, you're not making as much money as you were in the past. Right. So you certainly got to really tell a great story of why somebody wants to come to work for your company. Um, are, are you are you getting to or have you gotten to the point where you're paying people commensurate with their experience or are you still catching up to that? So we have um, really well-defined comp philosophies. Mm-hmm. They started from the beginning of the company. Okay. Um, we pay market rates. From the beginning? Um, from the beginning. Wow. That's and that's market market compensation for where we are in our stage. Okay. So a series A company with X number of um, millions of dollars in, mm-hmm. in revenue, this much investment, uh, their option impact is a phenomenal tool that we use mm-hmm. that can give us all the salary levels in these various stages of the company. Mm-hmm. And so twice a year, we do comp surveys Good. and we adjust comp proactively um, to match what market is. And we're now in a place because we're hiring such amazing people and we have just a lot of, um, we've got a lot of money (laughs) to be be blunt. Uh, Mm -hmm. We have um, really upped our game as well so that we can compete with uh, coastal operations and can attract people um, from both coast. Colorado ain't getting any cheaper. (laughs) That's right. But it is It is still less expensive than San Francisco or New York. Well, it is, but um, yeah, I mean, I and I just heard on on um, the radio this morning that the the median price now, I think, I think they said in Denver, the median price is now five fifty, and that's up from something like four. Yeah. I think they said maybe four seventy or something last year. I mean, that's amazing, yeah. right? It's it's not easy to not easy to for you know people to afford to live here anymore. That's right. Um, what's your day look like, like on a day-to-day basis as a leader? What do you spend your time doing? <laughs> and I spend my time on Zoom meetings. Um, <laughs> but in terms of what what I do all day, yeah. Um, so most of my work is um, related to uh, sales and business development, mm-hmm. um, growing the business on the mm-hmm. revenue side. Um, that's a, that's a big part of my, my typical day. Okay. I also lead the technology team. So ensuring that mm. we're building uh, the technology that we want for the future. 
and then uh, underwriting and analytics um, as well. And that's the risk side of the business, making sure that we we price amazingly well so that our customers get the best price, yet we protect our balance sheet. Mm-hmm. Those are the areas I focus on um, in terms of functional areas. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I've spent a lot of time on you know strategy, the business, and how sure. it all fits together uh, into a puzzle that we can execute mm-hmm. on. Mm-hmm. And what would you say are your biggest opportunities and threats in your space? Boy, the opportunity is the one we're pursuing, which is the small business. Sure. Um, working with small businesses. Um, it's a huge opportunity. Uh, we already are um, almost in every state. So we've got a few more states to go. Awesome. Um, the, uh, we see an opportunity to expand beyond workers' compensation. Okay. To expand to other uh, areas of small business insurance, liability, mm-hmm. automotive, those mm-hmm. kinds of areas where mm-hmm. cyber, uh, we think those are in our future. Mm-hmm. Um, and those are significant opportunities as well. I'm sure. Um, we see big opportunity in payroll, uh, working with payroll companies. Oh, um, they're phenomenal uh, distributors of mm-hmm. uh, work comp. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it goes kind of hand in glove. Uh, so we're very excited about that. Good. In terms of you know threats, uh, certainly um, traditional insurance companies uh, are a threat. Um, mm-hmm. The incumbents, mm-hmm. many of them, as you said, have have a lot of money and um, could give what we do away, uh, and that would be a threat. Yeah. I can't imagine they would do that because the regulators wouldn't wouldn't like it. But um, that would be a threat. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, hiring amazing people is um, an opportunity and a threat. Yeah. Um, it's an opportunity because we want to hire amazing people and they get mm-hmm. amazing work done. Mm-hmm. Um, the threat is we can't find enough of them. Yeah. Uh, and or people recruit our team, um, pay them gobs and gobs of money uh, to leave and try and recreate pie. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've been super fortunate that that hasn't happened. Mm-hmm. Um, that's certainly a threat that we watch out for. Are, are your, uh, do you require your employees to sign NDAs or any kind of thing like that? So to keep them, you're not competing. We, we do, it's, you know, it's standard venture back company. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were, we require them to, to sign um, mm-hmm. contracts that um, mm-hmm. protect our mm-hmm. uh, intellectual property mm-hmm. um, for sure. And, and uh, one of my last questions, what, what would you say has been, or at least, has been or currently is your biggest challenge right now? Is it, is it finding the, those great people enough of them or is it something else? No, we have actually had amazing success. Our recruiting team is doing just phenomenal work. Awesome. Um, mm-hmm. And so, so that piece I would have said a year ago was our biggest threat, our mm-hmm. biggest challenge. But um, today, I mean, it's going to sound um, strange, but, we are growing so fast um, that it is very hard for us to keep up from a technology standpoint. Uh, the The top line um, is almost unbridled. Like we can mm-hmm. grow it even faster than we are. Yeah. Um, so we're having a hard time keeping up with all the mm-hmm. technology needs that we have to make the business really efficient. Yeah. That's our biggest challenge right now. 
And do you find that, uh, have you noticed a shift in the culture since you started the company at all? That's, that's, you know, that is one of the biggest (laughs) challenges as startups grow, maintaining that culture. I would say um, our team has done, honestly done a really good job of keeping the culture. It's different now though, right? It used to be, we'd sit around the table and we'd we'd all make decisions because that was it. Mm-hmm. We sat around the table and made decisions. Now it's distributed, right? So we have to learn yeah. how to how to have a different communication style, a mm-hmm. different medium of communication, mm-hmm. how we disseminate information mm-hmm. from John and I. Mm-hmm. John and I can't even come close to making all the decisions in the business. Right. Um, and so we have to hire people we trust. Mm-hmm. Um, and we have to make that transition. And that's true for John and I. It's true for the entire company. Yeah. What that creates, though, um, and this is what I tell new people, they're like, well, you don't have a career path. It's like, well, of course we don't. We're, we're a new company. We don't have that kind of uh, career pathing stuff, although we're getting it. Mm-hmm. But know that yeah. Pi is, is growing so fast. We need managers. We need leaders. We need people over here. We need people in places we haven't even thought of yet. Mm-hmm. And so your opportunities are going to be tremendous when you come here, even though it's not a direct linear path to some director's job. Or mm-hmm. job. Mm-hmm. And so our so, people move all over the company uh, because of that. Great. So it's really fantastic. Great. Cross pollinating everywhere. Yeah. So if somebody, if somebody listening to this podcast wants to take the next step with you and is thinking, gosh, you know, this, this sounds <laughs> like the kind of company I'd like to go work for, what should they do? Well, first of all, thank you. That would be amazing. Um, Come to our website, uh, pieinsurance.com uh, or easyaspie.com. Uh, we have both. And uh, I mean, we have a ton of job openings on apply. Awesome. Um, and finally, I wanted to, I had meant to ask you this a little bit earlier. How do you, how are you finding your customers? Are you doing it through social media? Are you, you know, cold calling? Mm-hmm. What, what's going on there? So we're, we're uh, omni-channel. So we're going to meet the customer wherever they are. Okay. Sometimes that's going to be um, a business owner that doesn't have a staff. Mm-hmm. And, and that person is going to be shopping for insurance late at night in their spare time. Mm-hmm. So we want to be there for that person. They can come to our website and buy uh, insurance. Mm-hmm. But we also want to work with that small business owner that already has an agent or a broker that they're comfortable with. They like mm-hmm. the trusted advisor. Mm-hmm. Buy through them. Or right. their payroll company, where mm-hmm. they're already mm-hmm. getting their payroll services, and they can. Um, so we're we don't really care. For us, good. they get everybody gets the exact same price. Mm-hmm. Right? So good. it's super yeah. fair. Mm-hmm. We want the customer to decide where it makes sense for them to buy. Yeah, that's really fantastic, Dax. Because certainly um, there are other companies that you and I both know in this industry that you cannot get a human being on the phone. That's right. You know, that are valued right. very, very high. Um, and All you have to do I, is go out to, to our trust pilot reviews and see. Yeah, that's right. That is not true of pie, right? Yeah, we're, right. And that's why I asked the question. Um, because, I mean, me personally, I can, I mean, for some stuff, I'm happy to just go online and buy it. Yeah. Um, but for the more important things, when I want uh, a, somebody to be consultative in nature, I want to talk that's to a right. human being. Talk to a human being, whether that's somebody up high or somebody that's a third party you trust. 
that yeah. can give you the information you need. Absolutely. Gosh. And you shouldn't that, pay more for that. That's not well, right. And that's and right? that's exactly my point because yeah, I just I had just done that with my truck. I insured mm-hmm. it through through this little insure tech, um, all online. Mm-hmm. And of course, my insurance is considerably less than when I was with one of the major carriers. Mm-hmm. Um and but I don't think it would be that way if I had to talk to a human being because then they have to pay more people. Exactly. That, and that's exactly. exactly so there's a balance, point. right? There's, there's a got balance. to be a way to figure that out so mm-hmm. that somebody who talks to a human being should not have to pay more money. Right. That's right. Yeah. Our systems need to be good enough mm-hmm. where that doesn't matter. Right. However you need information, you're mm-hmm. going to get it. Yeah. That's really great. Well, gosh, Dex Craig, um, co-founder and president of Pine Insurance here headquartered in Denver. Thank you so much for joining me today. I just, you know, am really anxious to uh, get this uh, get this podcast published because I think it's going to be of really great value to a lot awesome. of entrepreneurs. Well, I really appreciate uh, getting invited on the show and talking to you and uh, look forward to, uh, to listening. Wonderful. Thanks, Dax. All right, thanks, Carol. Thank you for listening to Authentically Successful. If you are a successful founder or CEO who would like to be on this program, please visit verticalelevation.com slash podcast slash apply. If you learned something from this interview and it made a difference, please share it on LinkedIn or Twitter. You can also do a quick screenshot with your phone and text it to a friend. And if you know of someone who would be a great guest, tag them on LinkedIn or Twitter to let them know about the show and include the hashtag authentically successful. I love seeing your posts and great suggestions. Lastly, we are regularly putting out new episodes and content. And to make sure you don't miss any episodes, please subscribe. Your thumbs up, ratings and reviews go a long way to help promote the show and mean a lot to me and my team. If you want to know more, go to our website, verticalelevation.com or follow me on LinkedIn. This is Carol Schultz. Thanks again for listening and see you next time.